Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. X-Men First Class 2 gets an official name. We're going to go ahead and cast the Fantastic Four movie for Fox and video games, comic books, and movies reviewed on this episode of Geekscape. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape, guys. I just went ahead and skipped the whole singing of the theme song, didn't I? You guys really missed it. Well, now you can kiss it. Um, I'm Jonathan London. You can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan London. And, of course, visit us at Geekscape.net. All the news that I'm about to talk to you guys about is up on the website. But some of the reviews are not. What should we start with? Well, i got to tell you this. Um, if you guys are going to be going to the website, uh, watch Clown. Uh, we've joined up with Alamo Drafthouse, uh, with the folks at the Alamo Drafthouse and Drafthouse Films, and this brand new service called Distrify to bring you a film that you can actually watch right there on the Geekscape website. It's called Clown. It's a Danish comedy. Scott Almaniana wrote up a review for it. It is up there on the site. And uh, you can literally just pay like $6.99. I think it's uh, U.S. region only, but go ahead and check. And you can watch the whole movie right there on the website. Um, It's supposedly hilarious. Scott describes it as, I guess, The Hangover meets... uh, Hmm, anything Larry David did? (laughs) Um, So that sounds pretty good. Uh, Speaking of which, our good buddy Sean Madden posted some photos from the set of uh, Arrested Development, the movie. Uh, I guess it's either the movie or new episodes that they're making, and uh, the cast is tweeting out pictures from the set, and Sean went ahead and collected a couple of them right there on the website for you guys to look for. Um, that's pretty exciting news, for, especially if you're a fan of Arrested Development, have the show back. This is a show that I argue came a couple years before it was ready. Um, the humor in Arrested Development is really a lot of inside jokes, and it's really self-referential. So I think what happened, and go ahead and argue me on this, uh, I think what happened is Arrested Development came out and it was really funny. And the people who watched the first episode and then the second episode said, wow, this is really unique, this is really original. And then they went and told their friends, you got to be watching Arrested Development. Their friends around the uh, water cooler went and watched the third and fourth episode or whatever was airing at that time, the third, fourth, fifth episode. They found themselves a show that was so self-referential and steeped on inside jokes that they said, hmm, wait, this, this, I can see why this would be funny, but we don't get it. So really that's a movie, I mean, really that's a series or, or something that needed DVD, on-demand, Netflix, that kind of thing, to really take off. Something where if you heard it was great, you can go do what all of us are doing now, all these years later, and just go back to episode number one and get it from the beginning. So uh, somebody go ahead and do the research on that, because you know I'm, I'm a slacker. Uh, is, that a, is that 
a TV show that really picked up on home video? Is that a TV show that really, really hit its stride once it got to Netflix? It's interesting to see, but um, now that we're kind of in an on-demand new media world, you get the luxury of going back to the beginning and seeing shows, or even with DVR, like the proliferation of being able to record TV and saying, hey, that looks like a show I think I'm going to end up wanting to watch. I'll start recording the first couple episodes. I don't have to be watching them live. And then when they come out, boom, you decide whether or not you're really into it. So just something to think about was the failure of shows like Arrested Development, I'll go ahead and throw you Firefly, were those kind of shows that were, I guess, critically acclaimed shows, was Firefly critically acclaimed or just critically acclaimed by the mouth breathers? I don't know. The geeks, those of us, I include myself. Um, are the, were those shows shows that would have survived in this model? And I think it's smart that uh, whatever they're doing with the rest of development, they're doing it in conjunction with, I think, Netflix, maybe Hulu. And uh, there you go. You can watch everything right in one spot. Speaking of which, again, you can watch the new movie Clown, the Danish comedy that's sweeping, I guess it swept Europe. Um, You can watch that right there on the website. Um, Speaking of movies, I went and saw Ruby Sparks. This is a movie that starred Paul Dano. And it was from the people behind uh, Little Miss Sunshine, a movie that I loved. I love Little Miss Sunshine. I think it's such a well-made, fun, vibrant, independent film. And I was really looking forward to Ruby Sparks. We had a review up on the website. Um, I think MC Dave wrote it. And I didn't read the review because I wanted to go see the movie. And here are the positives from the movie. The directing's really nice. Really clean directing really amazingly well done cinematography. The performances are fantastic. I think Paul Dano gives a great, great, great performance. And the material, for the most part, is really, really great material. It's about, uh, Paul Dano plays a successful young writer who had like a really great big book success at like the age of 19. He's now kind of developed himself into like a social recluse in in, in the years following a bad breakup and the death of his father. So he's trying to deal with the pressure of not only like getting out of his shell, he he went out and got a dog on the recommendation of his shrink, but he's also trying to deal with the pressure of doing the follow-up to his great American novel that he knocked out of the park at a very young age. So he's got that pressure too. And in he he's he's kind of facing a point where he could have like a real breakdown and his shrink just suggests, hey we suggested that you got a dog in the hopes that it would help you meet people, but the dog is scared of people, so that's not helping. Why don't you go home and just as an exercise, write a story about someone who likes your dog, that you run into and likes your dog. Maybe you're out, just write the scenario, and your dog is there and someone meets. And so he develops this uh, scenario about a girl that he'd been seeing already in his dreams. The movie opens with a dream, and he'd been seeing this girl, and he can't really quite make her out named Ruby Sparks, kind of the perfect girl for him. And so he starts to write, you know, he comes to him in the dream, and and, and in the dream, Ruby, this girl that he's kind of, you know, uh, been seeing amorphously in his dreams, ends up meeting him and his dog. And he wakes up in the middle of the night, having seen this dream, knowing what his shrink suggested, and he just writes it. He writes the scene, and he keeps writing. And now all of a sudden, his writer's block is gone, and he's writing this girl into being. A couple scenes later, it's literalized. She really is real. And he has to deal with a woman that he uh, basically sprouted out of his own imagination. Beyond that, uh, when his own personality traits and 
uh, hang-ups and the, the, the relationship starts to become real, and you know that real relationships have up, up and downs, he can actually write the downs out of the relationship. You know, if they have an argument or a disagreement um, and she decides that she'd rather do something else, he can always go in and change it. So it's a really, really well-done script. Uh, and the girl who plays uh, Ruby Starks, um, Ruby Sparks, this uh, this actress, her last name's Kazan. I, she's she's fantastic. Let me see if I can let me Google this real quick uh, while you guys wait. Let me just throw up the Google. Um, it's something that you can do now that we're uh, we're now that we're doing um, audio. Let me see. Ruby Sparks, the actress's name, and she wrote the script. The actress's name is not on the front page. Uh, Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan is the girl who plays Ruby Sparks, and she wrote the script. And uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valor, Valerie Ferris from Little Miss Sunshine directed it. So uh, the performances, again, are really good. Um, but we're dealing with a character in the Paul Dano character who's really, really, really has his in- like idiosyncrasies and his insecurities. And he's really, really gr- well-performed. I think Paul Dano... This is, this is the best I've ever seen Paul Dano act, and I think when you watch it, you'll get a really appreciation for the level of actor that he is. And you'll be like, wow, if people go actually see this movie, he could really blow up, because his performance is that good. It's comparable to like what Jesse Eisenberg did in, uh, in The Social Network, and he, kind of the success that Jesse Eisenberg had after The Social Network and Zombieland, and people are like, wow, okay, this took him to the next level. Um, Paul Dano at least puts in that, that good of a performance. It's really great. And the, the flaw in this movie, I thought, go see it, is he's controlling another human being. And he's doing it because he, he can't deal with... And you, I think you guys have been there in relationships. I know I've been in relationships where you've got to be in a relationship with another person. And they don't always see things the way you do. And that's, that's part of the learning process. And if you're not capable of uh if you're not capable of, of of coexisting with that person usually that leads to a breakup but now he's got a situation where he can actually change that person and should he so um i feel like the movie goes in a direction that actually gets kind of dark be ready for that it's pretty intense and the fallout from that i don't really think was completely dealt with so that's my drawback on the movie. Um, go see it. I would suggest that this is either a matinee or a Netflix rental. But again, it goes into dark places. He does some things that you're like, okay, how do you come back from this? And I don't think that they completely addressed it. They may have actually rewarded it, which is even worse. So um, the movie suggested, especially if you guys are filmmakers, want to be filmmakers or film students, this is a good one. Um, I had a disagreement last night. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go to Gilmore's. I wanted to go to Gilmore's. It was like 11.30. It was like, it was like 10.30 at night, 11. And I wanted to go to Gilmore's. But we'd just done a ton of stuff that day. And Laura's like, and you still want to go to Gilmore's. Why? I don't know. I didn't think it was that weird that I wanted to go see my buddy Gilmore at 10.30. And it's not even that I lost the argument because I didn't go to Gilmore's. It's not that even that I lost the argument. I was just like, you know what? I love Gilmore. I love Leah. I love that whole group of people. Will K was over there. But uh, shit, I'm tired. And I think I'm just crazy. Because yesterday morning I got hit. Like I, uh, I was driving up La Brea and, and somebody was driving like crazy. And they ended up causing another car, a, th- a third car. They ended up causing 
a third car to go into my car, and it, it's the first wreck I've been in. Um, it's the first wreck I've been in. I'm a good driver. <laughs> I've been driving since, what, 1996? Uh, it's the first wreck I've been in where I was behind the wheel of a car. And I, I think I, I think I caused I, I think I bumped somebody and like bended a fender when I in like my first months of driving, but I guess since 1996 is the first time I've actually had damage caused to a car that I've been in, and uh, yeah, this person swerved into me and hit me and we got everybody's license plates and everything like that. The car that caused it actually zoomed off, but we got his license plate, and I'm sending Frank Castle over there to put a couple bullets in him. But um, yeah, the uh, I, yesterday I was kind of like. You know, I wasn't shaken up by it because, like, even though there was damage done to my car, I was all right. Um, but still, you tense up. You know, your body like like tenses up because I totally saw this car going into me. Uh, my car is—I think it's drivable. I don't know. I have to get an assessment, but everybody's closed on Sundays. And uh, and on top of that, uh, my car seems drivable. I'm okay, but you still have like that. Like your lower back starts hurting whenever you clench up and you're kind of tense for the rest of the day. You get like headaches and your back starts hurting. So I wanted to go to Gilmore's and Laura's just like, Jonathan, it's not a good idea. And ultimately, I'm not going to concede that Laura won. I'm going to concede that my common sense won. And I finally was like, Jonathan, listen to your wife and listen to yourself. Don't go out. Don't go out. And I was like, okay, okay, common sense. I shouldn't go out. I should just sleep this off. But because my car was in the state my car is in, uh, I was just like totally climbing the walls, wanting to go out. And 10:30 at night at Gilmore's, what are you gonna do? Go over there and watch that little midget drink? Anyway, um, let's talk. All right, let's talk. So Sean Madden wrote a pretty cool casting article. You know the Fox is gonna go ahead with this Fantastic Four movie. They're gonna hopefully get it in front of the lenses in the fall so that they can hold on to their option. Um. He went ahead and did a casting article, and uh, I like these articles whenever a writer does a casting article up on Geekscape. This one he did the Fantastic Four, let me throw them at you, in quick succession. Andrew Lincoln of The Walking Dead would be playing Reed Richards' Fanta- uh, Mr. Fantastic. We've got Charlize Theron playing Susan Storm, the Invisible Woman. This one, I think, is awesome. The, uh, you know, those first two, you're like, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Um, Andrew Lincoln, let's see if he can actually carry a movie on this big of a scale. I mean, I don't know, I don't know. Not, not every TV actor really transitions. I know he's played in ensemble films, or maybe he's been a lead in, a, in an indie film, but I mean, this is the Fantastic Four. This is going to be a Hollywood film. Can he play a lead on this level? I don't know about Andrew Lincoln. I hope so. I hope so. I like the guy. This one I, I liked a lot. This is inspired casting, Mr. Madden. Joel Edgerton. We saw him in The Thing prequel. We saw him in Warrior. Um, he's, a, he's a really great actor. He, uh, for Ben Grimm. Wow. Nice. I like that one. Joel Edgerton for Ben Grimm. And then this one, Garrett Hedlund, who you saw from uh, the, the Tron movie, the new Tron movie, Tron Legacy. Uh, as Johnny Storm, Human Torch. I like that one. And, and here's, here's where, where Sean throws you all a spin ball, like a like, like, like little, little, little uh, curveball. Uh, instead of just having Dr. Doom be the main villain, uh-uh-uh-uh. He's got the Mole Man as the villain of the first movie, and he actually has Harvey Rupert Elder playing the Mole Man. And Harvey Rupert Elber, uh, Elder, go ahead and go on the website and take a look at this guy. Uh, he, he's played a villain in, like, you know, in, in, in various movies. I mean, he's hard to place. I should probably go back to IMDb and see what's going on. Um, 
Rupert, Harvey Rupert. I'll tell you where he's from, right here. Um, and he's perfect for Mole Man. I think he's straight up uh, perfect. No, Harvey Rupert Elder is the Mole Man. What am I talking about? Eddie Marson is the actor. I can't IMDb a fake character. Oh my God, it's the it's the wreck. The wreck is messing my name. Uh, it's messing my brain up. Okay, Artie, Eddie Marson. You guys know this guy. He uh, he was in Sherlock Holmes. The Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Um, he's also been in Hancock, V for Vendetta, The Illusionist. Um, Snow White and the Huntsman is what I saw him. He was one of the dwarves in that. Um, but yeah, the Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows. You know him when you see him. Go ahead and go on the site and take a look at him. He's really, really spot on perfect for the mole man. Sean just pulled that one out of thin air. Like, it, what a What a great casting choice. So... Sean's got two great ones in this one, Joel Edgerton and, uh, and Eddie Marson. And then, wait for it, he does have Victor Von Doom, but of course I think he'd have to be pre-Doom in this one, and maybe you see him become Doom in the film. Um, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers of The Tudors. I think that's pretty damn good. I'd always wanted to see maybe an older Fantastic Four, but it's hard to build a franchise around older actors because you've got you to gotta hold on to them for a couple of years. Jonathan Reeves Myers is great. I'd always wanted to see Ray Fiennes. Just you need an actor who, once he gets behind that mask, just has this intensity in his eyes. Uh, Jonathan Reeves Myers, that, that awesome choice. So, out of the six you cast, I would say all of them are really good. Sean, these three are inspired and I think like note perfect. Thoughts? Leave them on the site, guys. Leave them on the site. Um, let's talk some more Marvel and Fox. Why don't we? Um, We've got uh, this X-Men First Class 2. It now officially has a name. It's X-Men, I think, First Class? What is it? Whatever the official name is, this is what it is. X-Men Days of Future Past. That is awesome. X-Men Days of Future Past. That is that is so cool that they're going to be doing the Days of Future Past storyline. Um I mean, what an, what a, again, another expired, like inspired choice. Um, that is, uh, that, I mean, that's going to be cool. Let me tell you why I think that's a good idea. Um, the reason I think it's a good idea is you can actually now, and they did this a little bit with, uh, with, with X-Men First Class, is you don't totally dismiss the Brian Singer versions. You don't, you don't dismiss the, the Brian Singer films, and I guess you have to include it. X3 in there and Wolverine Origins in there, but you don't exclude those first four X-Men movies. What this gives you a chance to do with all the time hopping and maybe going back and forth or or seeing the, the future is you can actually streamline it. You know, you can collapse out of the universe what you don't want, X3, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and you can keep the stuff you do want, X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. Um, you can include actors from the Brian Singer universe, as you saw in X-Men First Class, and, or you can exclude actors. You can basically streamline the Fox X-Men movie universe in a way that's clean and actually keeps everything in continuity. So in streamlining it, yeah, you may, you may actually undo some of the stuff in X3 or undo or clean up some of the stuff from X-Men Wolverine, but you're not negating it. It happened. It just happened to have gotten undone or cleaned up with this Days of Future Past storyline. I think it's super smart. I mean, the similar thing that they were doing, it allows for a soft reboot. 
you know, not just a soft reboot like you'd get with like the Hulk in the Hulk films leading up into the Avengers, but something like Star Trek. The J.J. from Star Trek, it doesn't negate the Star Trek that came before it, it just allows for a second dimension to happen. In this one, we knew that X-Men First Class existed in the same universe as the Brian Singer ones. Now they can actually exist and have a really cool streamlined possible separate you know, alternate dimension or maybe just something that's collapsed into one, one, uh, one storyline that, that just works. Um, super smart move. And it came from Fox. <laughs> now where's our serenity? Uh, damn you, Fox. Speaking of television, uh, I know we were talking about serenity. I threw it out as a joke. Um, FX seems like they're trying to figure out what to do with powers. This is a Brian Michael Bendis um, you know, comic that he did with my, uh, Michael A. Aming. And I really like the comic. Uh, I don't read it anymore. <laughs> Once they went back to like issue one for like the third or fourth time, I just stopped reading it. But it was a comic that I read from issue number one. And uh, they, I guess they, they shot this TV pilot and they might actually reshoot it. They might reshoot the entire TV pilot. They've ordered, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they want to give up on powers. It doesn't seem like they would just scrap what they did. But they want to reshoot it, supposedly. That's the rumor. And they have ordered four scripts, maybe including the pilot, maybe not including the pilot. I'm not clear on that. But um, you don't order scripts if you don't have faith in a project. So scripts have been ordered. It seems like they're really going to try and get this reshoot or these cleanups or these fixes, whatever they want to do right and then they just want to carry on from there um so that that's a that's pretty that's a pretty good sign i mean i would like to see powers or some kind of superhero stuff on the big on on the small screen uh there's a rumor today uh or this week we put it up on the website deadline hollywood was reporting that abc and marvel are really working hard to do a tv series for abc that works within the avengers marvel movie continuity i'd love to see that i'd love to see something where you could maybe introduce some of the smaller Marvel characters. They could appear in the film. They could not appear in the film, but it actually gives context to everything that we're seeing on the big screen. Uh, I mean, how big can we build this Avengers, you know, Marvel movie universe? The sky's the limit now that Disney's on board. And really, you can go to television. It could be. Uh, it seems like it's kind of going into the cartoons, and now with this whole Marvel Now thing, you could argue that they're trying to turn it into the comic books. I mean. We threw up some uh, designs on the brand new Captain America suit that's going to be in the comic books. It's really, really close to the stuff that uh, you end up seeing in, in the movie. You know, they're giving Nick Fury a black sun <laughs> so that, without an eye so that they could end up giving him a Coulson and you could have Nick Fury and Coulson in the comic books. Like, that's all part of Marvel now. So, really, the sky's the limit on that kind of thing. Um, hold on, I just got a text from Sean. Let me see. Sean is... Our ace writer. Let me see. Okay, never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that that text later. Uh, let's talk video games real quick. I got a preview code. I actually got a review code. The game is out for this game on a 3DS. I love my 3DS. Uh, it's probably the game system I play the most. Um, PS3 being the second, and then there, there's a big difference there. I play a lot of my 3DS. Uh, I'm always on the go. I'm always doing something, and I also I can play it in bed. Like before I go to sleep, I can play my 3ds don't get crazy don't start thinking oh yeah i bet you play your 3ds um i can just sit there before the lights go out and and i have tons of games on it because i'm a nintendo 3ds ambassador and i bought it early and they gave me like amazing like 20 free games 
classic games and stuff like that. Um, so they sent me a review code for this game, Planet Crashers. It's from a company in Austin called Renegade Kid. Uh, they developed Mutant Muds, uh, which is like a platformer for the 3DS. It's a lot of fun. And this crazy DS game from a couple years ago called, uh, what was it, Dimension? What is it? Um, oh, I wrote it down like crazy. I wrote it down like I was psychotic. Um, it's not the, no, let, let, me, let me look it up. Let me look it up because uh, I can't obviously say that name wrong. Um, Renegade Kid is the name of the, is the uh, developer. And let's see, there's the name of the game right there. Dimension. That's what I was going to say, I think. I was going to say Delirium, actually. Let me just cop to it. Um, they made two games for the DS called Dimension, uh, The Ward, and then Dimension 2. And they're really, like, kind of Doom Doom 3-looking stuff. But you're in this crazy, like, insane asylum. And you got to figure out how to escape. And there's weirdos running around and mutants and stuff like that. That's, like, a really dark game for the DS. And then Mutant Muds is, like, a fun, like, platformer that's kind of cool. Um, this game, Planet Crashers, is a dungeon crawler, um, and I know that those first two games got really great reviews. Planet Crashers, they sent to me. I tried playing it. I played it for a bit. I played it for, like, a couple hours, and I didn't enjoy it. Sorry, guys, at Renegade Kid. You know, as an Austinite, I try and support anybody from Austin, and Renegade Kid is for sure an Austin um, company. But uh, this one... It, I like what they were going for. You can develop your own character. You can change the hair. You can kind of like make your own character and give them different physical attributes. But then when you set them out in the world to start going into these dungeons, it just takes forever. Not only are the... The dungeons are short, but you get quests. And in the quests, you have to go into the dungeon and get certain items. But whether or not that item is going to be populated in the dungeon, you just have to keep going into the dungeon because the item may not even be in there. And it's not like you fight enemies and they drop them. You fight enemies for experience points. But literally, when you beat these enemies, you got to get like a ton of experience points to advance in levels. And it's like, you beat him. You get 100 gold pieces, and you can't buy weapons at the beginning. So you can't buy weapons in order to be better at fighting. You basically start out with a strike ability, and that's about all you get for a very long time unless you start defeating quests. But you can't accomplish quests because some of the quests are only acceptable to people who are like level 2, level 3. And good luck getting to level 2 or 3 because every time you beat an enemy, it's 5 experience points. <laughs> it's like 5 experience points. That is it. You get 5 experience points and it takes forever to level advance. And the animation's cool. The visuals are cool. I like that they use 3D and like you run around this world and it looks like Mario Galaxy and you're running around these little worlds and the graphics are cool and colorful in that way. But what a chore. I mean, what a chore if you're like defeating these enemies and barely getting any experience. Like how long did you guys expect us to play this game? Um, you can't do a whole lot of different stuff in the battles because you start out and all you can do is strike and you can't get to weapons because you can't buy them. And you can't level up to the point where you can actually earn the weapons on bigger quests because it takes forever to level up. And there's promise that once you get, you know, advanced and you do all the quests on one world, you shoot to another planet and you can do all the quests there. But I tapped out. I completely tapped out. The amazing graphics and the customizable player wasn't enough for me to keep me playing a game where you just progress so slowly. That's a lot of dungeon crawling.
Um, and, and there's like not a lot of variation in the enemies either. So I'm sorry guys, that one, not going to be able to recommend it. On top of that though, I have been going back. It, it did drive me to the, the original dungeon crawler, uh, Zelda. I've been playing the original 1985 Zelda, um, on my 3DS and I know it's just like, <laughs> it goes without saying, but what an incredibly well-designed game. We may have we may be spoiled with our advanced games now to where we look back at it and be like, ah, it just doesn't have enough for us. But, you know, I play it here and I play it there and I kind of do like a dungeon a day and it doesn't take long. And it's kind of turned into a casual game at this point because there's there's so little to it. But what a great, well-designed game. It is fun. It's clean. It doesn't give you all the answers, so there's still a reason for exploration completely in contrast to the most recent Zelda, Skyward Sword, where it literally tells you where to go every 10 seconds and kind of leads you on a fetch quest that becomes a total chore and it's intensely laborious. Now we've got the, I mean, the, the original Zelda, you're kind of on your own. Dude, go figure it out. Go look around. And you, and you do, because it's fun. And you go to all these different screens and they have uh, populating enemies that constantly populate. And, and it's just a fun game. It's challenging. And... I think that that has to come back to the Zelda franchise and to these things. Like, don't don't tell the player where to go. Have them explore it. Don't take that away from them. That's my uh, that's my rant on dungeon crawlers and exploration games and RPGs and adventure games. Um, sorry about Planet Crashers. wasn't a whole lot of fun. But if you want to support Renegade Kid, go download Mutant Muds if you're a platform fan. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun with that one, and it should tide you over until. August 19th when we get a brand new Mario game. All right, guys, that's Geekscape. Check out geekscape.net on the website. Go to Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Search for Geekscape. You'll be friends with us. And I also started a Google Plus group on Satori's recommendation. Uh, I started a Google Plus group. I don't know how to use it, <laughs> but it's there. Go ahead and put that in your circles, I guess. I'm Jonathan Lennon. You can follow me at Jonathan Lennon on Twitter. Email me, Jonathan at geekscape.net, and I'll see you guys on the next Geekscape. Peace!